everybody. Welcome to the Snake in the Draft podcast, a short 15 to 20, sometimes 30-minute podcast made to help you look at players and fantasy football differently than you normally do. I'm your host, Jacob Vines, and you can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore DFF. Mike Mattis is joining me today. You can find Mike on Twitter at FantasyMikeBFF. He is a writer for Ball Blast Football and the 300s. Today we're going to be talking about who's going to be the wide receiver two in 2020 for the Colts and the Packers. And these are from articles on Ball Blast Football, which um, I recently had Kate on from Ball Blast. So y'all should definitely go check out the site as well. So welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm super excited to be on here. I've been listening to you know, uh, all the episodes so far, and you've had some incredible guests, and the fact that I could be one of them is really an honor. So including, um, you know, like you said, Kate Majuk last week, uh, the the founder uh, with Ball Blast Football. So I'm um, excited to be on. Yeah, I, I uh, the whole goal of this podcast for me has been finding uh, articles or threads that I find very interesting and that I think needs to be discussed more. And so this is an example with the who's the wide receiver two for the Colts, who's the wide receiver two for the Packers. That to me is an important thing to talk about and discuss. So I'm excited to have you on as well. So with the first question, and it's a question for every guest, and it's uh, what is one hobby that you are enjoying doing, that you enjoy doing, that does not relate to fantasy football? Um, yeah, so I thought about this one for a while. I'm actually, this is, is technically my third job. Uh, so I'm a full-time social worker. I'm also a bartender as well. Uh, I got to pay off those student loans. So, uh, um, but one thing I really like doing is hiking, um, and generally just walking. Um, and I mean, my, my girlfriend and I will go on eight, 10 mile walks at a time, uh, a few times a week. We live in Boston. So, you know, walk around South Boston along the water. Um, but, you know, hiking is really not a whole lot in uh, in the Boston area to do that. But when we get the chance to go up and uh, maybe do some cool mountains in New Hampshire or something like that, you know, I'm someone who is much more of a um, trees and forest guy than a beach guy. You know, I like getting out in the woods and, and really kind of just being a nature man. So when I'm not grinding away in the computer at stats, uh, trying to get out, you know, in the in the trees with the birds and the animals and just kind of appreciate life a little more, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely understand being being busy and not feeling like you have time for anything else because I'm currently going through physical therapy school. And then I, for some reason, I guess it was quarantine time, decided to start making fancy football content. And yeah, I don't really have a hobby. Uh, definitely think hiking or just walking around is fantastic. And I should be doing that way more. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds simple, you know, but it's just kind of going and just taking the world in, man, taking in the sights and, uh, you know, trying to experience all different types of people and things. I just, just try to do that as much as I can when, when, when I'm not working or, like you said, creating content. So, For sure. And I'm going to try not to put uh, being a Patriots fan against you too much here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did have a coworker previously that she was a Patriots fan and she was pretty cool. So I guess I guess Patriots fans can be cool. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, hey, listen, man, we had a great run for 20 years. And, um, you know, of course, everyone knows uh, the GOAT is no longer in New England. So uh, I am excited about Cam Newton. I mean, that's uh, could go down a whole nother path here, which which we won't. But, um, you know, that run could soon be coming to an end. So I enjoyed it while it lasted. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting team this year for sure. Uh, we'll have to talk about the Patriots another time, though. So we're going to go to the Colts. So 
we are going to discuss the wide receiver two for the Colts or who you expect to be the wide receiver two. But first, let's go to the wide receiver one in T.Y. Hilton. And just to remind everybody, new quarterback now, Phillip Rivers is there. Also drafted Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman in the recent draft. So what do you think about T.Y. Hilton this year? Uh, I think he's someone who is extremely undervalued at the moment. I mean, not extremely, but um, but it, it is pretty undervalued. Right now, uh, according to Fantasy Pros, uh, I use PPR stats. He's going as the wide receiver 24, which doesn't seem outlandish to some people because, um, you know, someone who played 10 games last year, his numbers were down and and he didn't finish as a, as a top 24 receiver. But um, he's somebody who has had 1,100 plus yards four out of the last six seasons. Uh, taking away last year, he's someone who hasn't averaged under 15.9 yards per catch since 2013. Uh, He's still the number one guy there. And he's going after guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, who may or may not even be the number one on their team. You know, Metcalf and Lockett finished within 10 targets of each other. Ridley's still behind uh, Julio. And I think that Hilton is the undisputed number one in this team. And not just due to the fact that um, you know, he's the, the, the yards per catch or the yardage. But um, I actually did a little more research after I dropped the article and I saw that Hilton was actually third. He was the number three player in the league in dominator rating last year, which is pretty impressive. And for those that don't know what that is, um, that is the percent of one of one uh, percent of teams, uh, the team's targets, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns uh, that they receive. So uh, even in 10 games last year, he was still number three. So they were still going to him, and he's still the number one option. And as you said, Phillip Rivers is there now. Um, and Phillip Rivers is someone who finished fourth in the league in passing last year. So he's another guy that people are kind of writing off. But um, I think that Hilton's going to be the new Keenan Allen. I think that he could easily see 130-plus targets, even in only 14 or 15 games. Rivers throws to the best people on the field. Um, a lot of times people are saying, oh, Jack Doyle is going to be the number one at tight end. Uh, but even still, he's going to throw to the best player. The best player for the Colts is still T.Y. Hilton. And I think people are really doubting him this year. Yeah. And then speaking of the targets, back to 2018, Ke- or, uh, sorry, T.Y. Hilton had 120 targets uh, in 14 games. And that was with uh, – that was still Andrew Luck, correct? <laughs> It's been so long. Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. And, uh, yeah, there was a shocker before uh, the season last year, late August. But um, he also almost had 1,300 yards in 2018. I mean, again, this is somebody who, who has been averaging 16 yards a catch for the last six or seven years outside of last year when he had a quad strain early on. And then he tore his calf in week nine. And that's, I think, the mistake the Colts made. You know, they were fighting. They didn't make the playoffs, but they had a chance for a while there. Um, a very underrated defense. And and I think they were kind of forcing Hilton back, and he just didn't look great. So it's a little bit of recency bias. But um, this is someone who had almost on 1,500 yards in 2016, and he's only 30 years old. So, yes, eventually father time is going to slow him down. But, again, he's 30, man. You know, and I think with a full season of healing up, uh, from two pretty significant injuries, I, I think he's okay. And another stat is this: heading in to last year, he'd finished, he'd played in 76 of the last 80 games. So it's not like he's this big injury-prone guy that's been hurt throughout his career. He's had a slate of injuries the past few years, but he's still produced when he's been on the field. And I think he could easily be a top 20, if not higher, wide receiver in 2020. 
Yeah, I think that's extremely doable. So with we already talked about wide receiver one. So who do you think is going to be the wide receiver two? And I'd say the argument would be between Michael Pittman and probably Paris Campbell. So who are you picking for that? Yes, I'd, I'd also like to throw Jack Doyle's hat into the ring because um, he, he is tight end. Rivers likes using the tight ends, not as much as many believe. Uh, again, digging into research, I, I found a great article by Scott Barrett that was published by Pro Football Focus last year. And uh, Rivers wasn't even in the top five in percent of throws to the tight end um, in the past 10 years, actually 2019, 2009 to 2018. Um, and that's still when Gates was there. Yes, Hunter Henry has missed time too. But again, Rivers throws to the best players in the field. And Jack Doyle is somebody who is reliable, but not very explosive or impressive. Um, he's someone who will get the targets on third down. So I do agree. It's probably between Pittman and Campbell. And I'm going with Michael Pittman. Uh, it was hard for me because especially this year, I think rookies are going to be behind the eight ball a little bit for sure. But I think that Pittman's skill set meshes very, very well with Rivers' game. So, uh, you know, big misconception that people have is that Keenan Allen is a slot receiver. He plays a slot, but he also plays a lot of outside snaps as well. Part of the reason I'm such a big fan of, of Hilton this year. But um, Pittman is someone who's going to mostly play on the outside. And the stat that really stuck out to me was, you know, I said earlier, everyone wants to write off Rivers. Um, and yes, he turns the ball over a lot lot more lately as well um, but he's someone who's not afraid to take chances and I think that's why he turns it over so Pittman is one of those who is incredible at going down the field getting up high pointing the ball fighting for those contested catches and Philip Rivers for the past two years has finished top 15 in deep ball attempts so people think you know everyone says noodle arm Philip Rivers but he he actually loves chucking the ball down the field last year he was number six in the league in deep ball attempts and I think that uh, he, he's gonna go to Pittman a lot and there were also last year, there were five rookie wide receivers who had over 80 targets, another two that had over 70. So, you know, I know he's a rookie, but he, he's still going to get some looks. And, uh, you know, in regards to Paris Campbell, he's someone who I loved in college. He was electric at Ohio State, 97th percentile athlete. They're going to scheme up plays for him. And he was also someone who had some injuries last year as well. So he never really got to get off the ground. But because of that, I kind of see him and Pittman on the same level, and and they're both kind of coming in. You know, Campbell's got a little more experience, but I just think that Pittman is the type of player that Rivers will want to go to more. And the final stat I would say is Paris Campbell's going to play the slot, and Philip Rivers, uh, in that article I referenced earlier, actually was 20th in terms of throws going to the slot receiver. So Rivers is the guy that likes to take chances, and Pittman is the guy who can gain chunk yards and and an instant. So. Yeah, I mean, if we're thinking back to 2018 with Mike Williams and he had a crazy high touchdown number, and then in 2019, Mike Williams still had 1,000 receiving yards. So he I, did. I th yeah, and Mike Williams is some guy, a guy that I really like in Dynasty and Redraft and that, I mean, obviously the QB play is an issue, but this is going off, off script a little bit. But if he had the touchdowns fall to him, he would have been probably a high-end wide receiver three. I, I don't remember the exact stats, but yeah, that, that could – yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike Mike Williams is a perfect comp for him because Mike Williams actually led the league um, in yards per catch last year, or, or at least in A dot, which is average average depth of target. So again, it shows you that Rivers likes going down the field to a big outside receiver, which Michael Pittman is. Uh, and and speaking of the touchdowns, Williams had ten touchdowns previously. I think it was the year before with Rivers. So, I mean, if Pittman gets even close to ten touchdowns as a rookie. 
that that's huge, you know, and, and Williams still had 90 targets last year. Uh, so I, I do think that it's a, a very, very astute comparison. Um, and let's not forget that Michael Pittman was actually drafted before Jonathan Taylor this year. So I know Jonathan Taylor is the big rookie that everyone wants, but they took Pittman first. They believe in him. They want him. And I just think that Rivers is going to love him. Um, so he, he, Michael Pittman is actually my pick for the top producing rookie wide receiver in 2020. Wow. All right. Yeah. All right. On record, Jake. Uh, Throwing it out there. <laughs> I, I like it. I think uh, if we're looking at opportunity, it's like Pittman and probably Rieger and Justin Jefferson. Like those three, I would say, have the most opportunity. And mm-hmm. then it's, it's who takes it from there. So I, I, I don't mind it. I think that you've already shown the stats and everything. And so, yeah, but how do you see the Colts offense as a whole producing? I know you put some stats on your, your article and sort of put it all together. Yeah. I, well, I think there's going to be a big difference. Obviously Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers are, are night and day. You know, Brissett is someone who I think, you know, again, as a Pats fan, uh, someone who I watched, you know, he first came in the league um, and he's, he's a good game manager. You know, he can get the job done. He's a very smart player. Um, but he, he's not someone who can really, uh, you know, throw the ball down the field like Rivers or, or doesn't take those chances. Um, and he's also someone who only threw the ball, I think it was 447 times. Rivers threw the ball 591 times last year. So, um, you know, and Frank Reich and Rivers actually were together in San Diego. So, you know, he played with with Frank Reich. And I think that Reich is really going to open up the offense. And you're going to see a lot more passing volume from the Colts this year, like a lot more passing volume, even though they drafted Jonathan Taylor. Um, and I do think Taylor's actually someone who could benefit from that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this in, in a second um, because I want to talk about Naeem Hines. But you know, Taylor's someone who I think, you know, the running backs are going to get a lot of work too, but that's the biggest difference for me is you're going from a guy who passed the ball less than 450 times to a guy that passed it almost 600 times last year. So that to me is a huge, huge difference that you're going to see this year. Yeah. So speaking of the running backs, um, we have Nahi Hines, who is more the the receiving back for them. And I, you have them um, set it at 79 targets, 61 catches. And then uh, Jonathan Taylor's also there with 42 targets, 28 catches. So with these numbers, and that does increase Hines' targets from last year, are you expecting more? Like you already said, you expect them to pass the ball more. So does that also mean you expect them to run less? Um, Maybe not necessarily run less, um, but I do think that there's going to be a lot more, you know, competition in the backfield, obviously with Taylor. I mean, um, I don't think Marlon Mack is someone who's going to see a lot of volume in the passing game. He's someone actually, if you look at him, um, his, his targets have gone down significantly uh, in the three years he's been in the league. He had over 30 targets as a rookie. Then it went down to 20 and then I think less than 20 um, last year. So um, I, but he was still ninth in the league in total carries and he had over a thousand yards. A lot of people may be shocked to hear that, but Marlon Mack was a thousand yard rusher last year. So I think him and Taylor are still going to get some run. But like I said, with the increased passing volume, um, I do expect Naeem Hines to kind of go back up. This is someone where Naeem Hines as a rookie had over 80 targets. So that's that's what he he does. He's a pass catching specialist. And you know, a lot of people will say, Well, okay, you just said Max there, Taylor's there. How is Hines going to see the field? Well, Rivers is somebody who, you know, even behind his lead back has still made 
uh, careers for certain people. I mean, Austin Eckler, I could go into a whole diatribe, um, but I think benefited immensely from playing with Rivers. You also have guys like Danny Woodhead, Darren Sproles back in the day, even LaDainian Tomlinson, one of the greatest ever, I think benefited from playing with a guy like Philip Rivers. I think Rivers benefited from playing with LT as well. But um, a big stat that I saw was in, in 2013, actually, uh, Ryan Matthews had 285 attempts on the ground uh, and about 30 targets. Danny Woodhead still had 88 targets that year, and he wasn't even the starter. That's insane to me. Also, here's another little tidbit for you. Guess who the quarterback's coach was that year in 2013? I'm going to guess it's the current head coach. <laughs> uh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it was Mr. Frank Reich, who's the head coach of the Colts. So um, Philip Rivers loves throwing to the running back. He's thrown to the running back position at a 27% clip since 2016. Um, so, I mean, that's what he does. He loves it. And I think having a guy like Hines there, I think Rivers is going to come in and be like, this guy is going to be involved. So I think Hines is a guy who um, I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with him as, as my RB3. I would like to have at least three backs before him because I don't see a lot of rushing volume for him. Um, but he's going to have some real solid RB3 weeks, sometimes RB2. Um, I think it was Reich that came out and said, you're going to see some 10-catch efforts from him this year because they're going to use him. And it may seem crazy because Mack and Taylor are going to get work, but Hines is going to get some work too, a lot more than people think. Yeah, I think a lot of it will depend on how much Jonathan Taylor is used in the receiving game. And I, I do agree that Hines was electric in his rookie year. He was awesome. And I know, I think it was Harris Football, who he's a guy that does his own podcast and he does redraft and he was all over Hines for 2019. And mm -hmm. I, I drafted Hines in a couple places and was not very happy. But I think that part of that was also switching from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett. Like it's not just on Hines. Big time. And like, I mean, you, you went down Brissett through it less than 450 times. I think they really, really scaled back that offense. You know, Reich, um, <laughs> Reich was also there in uh, the Super Bowl. Um, the one that he he beat, you know, the Pats in, and they <laughs> bananas. They did. I mean, they they he likes to throw the ball. This is a guy that likes chucking the ball around the field, and he is going to be excited to open this offense back up. And uh, and even still, Jonathan Taylor, I still have him for over forty targets and, and two hundred yards receiving. So I do think Taylor's going to get receiving work. But as we've seen in the past with Rivers, there's plenty of times the lead back will get some work. And then you have that specialist, like I said, Darren Sproles, Danny Woodhead, Austin Eckler, that still can be a very reliable fantasy asset. Yeah, and to build on your your comment about getting Hines, it's like your RB4, RB5. I think that's very doable. He's currently going as the running back 53, which mm -hmm. I have it as 148 overall. So that's end of the or start of the 13th round in PPR, one QB leagues. And uh, that's the type of upside I'd be fine taking. I I would be fine taking him there. I know there's like Justin Jackson around there, which he has his own concerns, Boston Scott. Um, I would take Duke Johnson over him, uh, but he's he's a couple – he's like a whole round ahead of – or two rounds ahead of Naheem Hines. So that is a good point as Hines is a nice PPR upside guy, and then if it doesn't work out, you drop him. <laughs> That's what happens all the time in fantasy football. Right. And, and Duke Johnson, you know, it's a, it's a really good point. I'd probably take Duke Johnson as well, because if something happens to David Johnson, Duke Johnson becomes the guy in that offense. And I don't think there's ever going to be a point where Hines becomes the guy. I mean, he is not someone that you want a lot of volume on the ground, but I put Hines in the same territory as, you know, like a Tariq Cohen and potentially even a James White. I mean, James White is going to get 
I think more targets. Actually, I have uh, the third part of the series coming out tomorrow about the Patriots. Um, and I have White for about 106 targets, so a lot more than Hines. But um, I put him in kind of the, the Tariq Cohen, Chris Thompson kind of range where, you know, especially in deep flex leagues, you know, we have two flex positions, like in my redraft league. I think he is a fine flex a super fine number two flex and a, a solid RB four on on for PPR standard. I don't want him. I want to be clear about that. But in PPR leagues, I think that he is a more than solid RB four with with yeah. the potential for more. Yeah, agreed. Um, so now moving to the Packers and talking about their wide receiver too, which uh, we all know what happened with the Packers. They drafted a quarterback and a running back. Um, they also signed Devin Funches this offseason. So before we dig into the wide receiver two, let's talk about Devontae Adams, the wide receiver, the undisputed wide receiver one for the Packers. He, he sure is. I mean, I think he's about as undisputed as a wide receiver one as there is in the league. Um, and actually, I released my redraft rankings uh, last week or the week before, and I've got Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. I took a little heat for that. Um, but if you look at it, you know, Devonte Adams is far and away Aaron Rodgers, number one option. He's someone who I think could get 190 plus targets this year. Easy. Um, and that sounds like a, a little aggressive, but like, even last year, uh, where Devonte Adams only played 12 games. If you look at the targets per game, he finished with less or less than one target per game, less than Thomas, if that makes sense. So they, they were still seeing the same amount of volume. And I think with Manny Sanders, uh, in new Orleans now, probably the best, definitely the best number two option that they've had in that uh, in New Orleans in a while. Um, I think that Adams actually has a chance to outproduce Thomas. He's someone who I think one of the, the, the most um, overplayed, you know, uh, pieces of commentary with Adams is to say, well, he's only had 1000 yard season. Uh, and I, I just think it's a little disingenuous. If you know anything about the guy or watch him play, um, he's a great red zone target to, and I just, I just, I don't know what to say. I think you, you, if you have Devonte Adams on any of your teams, uh, you should be a very, very happy person. So it's <laughs> easy as that. Yeah, and I think Devonte Adams as the wide receiver one this year makes sense. You mentioned Emmanuel Sanders out to the Saints. Also, everybody needs to remember Kamara missed games as well, and he is going to get more than eighty-one receptions sometime yeah. in his career. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Three years in a row now, exactly that. So I know. And then also with Devontae Adams only having one season over a thousand yards, he had nine hundred and ninety-seven yards in twenty nineteen. He had nine hundred and ninety-seven yards in twenty sixteen. Like it's I, I get it, you can say arbitrary numbers, this and that, but we know Adams is an excellent receiver. I think that he him and Michael Thomas and I'd probably throw Tyreek Hill. You could probably interchange them for the number one spot. And it just depends on your upside, how you see them how you see them uh, playing in 2020. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then going to the wide receiver two for the Packers. So we have Devin Funches and Alan Lazard. So who are you picking out of those two? I've heard different people saying Funches, different people saying Lazard. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it has to be Lazard. Uh, and I think it's, you know, for a few reasons. If you just kind of look at the way he finished last year, it, it was pretty impressive. Now, again, this is somebody who's been inconsistent. He's had, um, you know, a lot of boom games, a lot of bus games, uh, kind of push, um, pulling up the stats right now. Uh, where's he here? All right. So he had three performances at the end of last year where he had over 16 points, but he also had four games under six points and with fewer than 30 yards. So, 
Um, and I think that's not so much a knock against him, but the fact that sometimes Rogers really does just like to target, you know, guys like Adams or his top guys. But if you also just Google, you know, Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers, this is someone who Rogers gushes over. He absolutely loves Lazard. And it's a really cool story. Uh, last year when they were playing Detroit on Monday night football, apparently, uh, Alan Lazard, who is, who is going into his third year. So he wasn't a rookie last year. A lot of people think that he was. He was actually in his second year last year. Um, he kind of came out of the field. There weren't a whole lot of other options. And he basically told Aaron Rodgers what he thought should be run. Uh, and he had a monster game to end. And they ended up beating Detroit. So at the beginning of the season, the first five weeks of 2019, Lazard saw a total of 21 snaps. From week six onward, he averaged 42 per game. So uh, he earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and he earned it quickly. And I don't think that he really did anything to lose that. Uh, and in regards to Funches, he's someone who did show out one year in Carolina with Cam Newton. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's someone who kind of regressed a little bit the year afterwards. Uh, last year, he went to the Colts, couldn't even make it through a game, broke his collarbone. Very unfortunate. Um, I think he's a talented player, but to me, I just don't see why he would come in. And I don't think that he has an impressive enough track record to just automatically usurp Alan Lazard on the depth chart. Does he have the talent to potentially do it? Yes. But Rodgers is someone who, like I said, loves the guys that he loves. And until Lazard does something to lose that number two role, I just don't see how anyone can view Funches as the better pick than Lazard this year. Yeah, and I agree. I like Lazard over Funches. Um, I do want to talk about a comment you made about the tight end for the Packers, and that's Jay Sternberger. So you said uh, in your article, fade the narrative that Rodgers doesn't use his tight ends. It's simply not true. So I want you to expand on that because that's something that actually surprised me to read as well. Sure, and I, I actually don't really know where it came from. I, I kind of do. Um, Rodgers, to tell you the truth, hasn't really played with a lot of great tight ends. He has the best one that he's played with probably up until this date was a, a a shell of Jimmy Graham and Jermichael Finley back in the day. So some of the youngins may not remember Jermichael Finley, um, but he he was actually pretty good with Rodgers. He had uh, three years of over 600 yards, uh, and the, the two years he didn't with Rodgers was when he played a total of 11 games. So when he has a good player, he uses him. But I think the stat that really you just need to look at is the fact that last year even Jimmy Graham. Uh, finished third on the team in targets, and the year before, he finished second. So when you have a tight end finishing as a top three target leader on the team for two years in a row, how in the world can you say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't use his tight ends? I don't know where this narrative came from. Uh, and you even look at before Jimmy Graham got there and after Jermichael Finley left, uh, he played with guys like Richard Rodgers, Martellus Bennett for seven games, Lance Kendricks. I mean, are those people that really impress you all that much? So I think Jay Sternberger is someone who uh, was great in his final year at Texas A&M. I mean, over 800 yards and 10 TDs. Is he this generational talent? No, but I do think that he's someone that's athletic enough to move around, can play in line, can play in the slot. And I think that Rodgers can have fun with someone like that. I think that he's probably the most talented, athletic, and potentially explosive player that he's had at the tight end position. So it's not that he doesn't throw to tight ends. It's that he doesn't throw to good tight ends. I mean, to bad tight ends and he does yeah. throw to good ones. So. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I actually just looked on sleeper. I like to use sleeper to 
check where players finished and actually Jimmy Graham finished this tight end 12 in 2018. And I know some people may say, well, it's the tight end position. Who cares? But Jay Starbuck is going real late, really late. And if you could get him as the tight end 12 and have him as a nice, uh, I wouldn't say flex play as a nice bi-week player or a play that you could do during the season um, matchup play. There we go. Uh, I, I think it makes sense. And I think it's not talked about enough that good players get the ball like that. It like, I get, we talk about target share, this target share that, but like good players will get the ball. And that's something that we all need to remember. We all need to focus on because that's where looking at the stats they've done. One thing I am not good at that I need to improve on is watching film. There is something to watching film. Um, I think you need to have stats with film and that's my opinion. But then again, if you have someone like a Darius Geis, you don't have stats to look at. Like you have to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it, I think it's, it's just a matter of, like you said, you know, good players get the ball. And honestly, there aren't a whole lot of very good players in the Packers offense right now. I mean, and to be fair, um, you know, I think someone that is being faded too much is actually Aaron Jones. I still think that Aaron Jones uh, will be involved in the passing game. He earned it last year, but he also received near 70 targets last year. And I, I also went back in the article and looked at, um, the running back position for the Packers over the past, I think, five or six years, and no running back got over 56 targets um, before that last year. So I do think that Jones kind of benefited from the lack of other options in the passing game, which, you know, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which I, he people try, kept trying to wish him into being a thing. Same with Geronimo Allison. It just didn't work out. Um, so I think by default, he kind of had to go to Jones more. But Lazard, I do think, is talented. Um, and, and Sternberger, I think is talented as well. Funches, you know, again, has some talent too. So, um, I think you're going to see those numbers kind of go back to what we used to see from Rogers when he had better players around him that he really hasn't had, uh, the past couple of years, you know, the, the Packers just haven't been surrounded with talent. Like you said, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Then they go and draft a running back after that. It's just, they, they're not giving Rogers these options. So, how are these guys going to produce if they're not giving them good people to throw to? So that's where I think that comes from. Yeah, I I know. That was frustrating. Like for me, watching the draft, you have C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys, and that was crushing as a fantasy football person. But then you have it to where the Packers do the opposite, and they don't draft anything, or they draft a running back that you're just like, but we already had two guys. What are you doing? But – they have a plan. I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. They are the guys in the NFL. I know we, we as an analyst and just people talking about football, we think we know what we're doing, but I definitely wouldn't want to be in their shoes. So <laughs> that's a tough job, man. It's, it's easy to sit behind a computer and, and throw out some hot takes every now and then or, or well-informed takes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they definitely got the harder job. So I know you're not a hot take guy, and I'm not really either. You know, uh, we have a couple out there, but no, you got to have the numbers to back it up. So Yeah, and I think, yeah, and talking about hot takes, I, I did get the words hot take, which has been really nice. Um, but I just think when people say, like, hot take, like Jarvis Landry will be the wide receiver one, and you're like, okay. I haven't seen that one necessarily, but it's just certain things like that. that I'm just like, how do you see this happening? And if, if you can show a thought process and I get it, it's going to be narrative driven and that's okay. Um, because that's what hot takes are. And, uh, I had a good discussion with somebody about his hot take and 
he was he made a comment about like Chris Godwin and like okay you could have said Chris Godwin's going to be a wide receiver one well would anybody have said had had stats to back that up and maybe he had some with the narrative or this or that but it wasn't super strong so I have backed off a little bit on my hatred of hot takes but it can't be so outlandish so right. anyways let's let's go yeah. to your rankings for Sternberger for 2020 let's finish up talking about where do you see Sternberger finishing in 2020. Um, I think you're 100% right. You hit the nail on the head. I, I really would not feel comfortable with him as my tight end one. I am not seeing to draft him as your tight end this year. I want to be very clear about that. And I write that in the article. You know, part of the reason I wrote this series was not just to say who the number two option is, but to talk about whether or not that, that person's even going to be fantasy relevant. And that's kind of another narrative, too, is, oh, the number two receiver uh, is, is never good in a Rodgers offense. Are you kidding me? So you had Jordy Nelson. You had those years with him, Randall Cobb, even James Jones was good too. So again, it's not that they don't become good. They just have to be good players. So I think that Sternberger could be a good player, but this year I do think he's more of a matchup-based guy. Um, more so in Dynasty, take a chance. I, I don't think he is a must-draft and redraft. I mean, if you're sitting there in the last round, or the last couple rounds, you want to take a stab, you're feeling good about your bench otherwise, go ahead. But I do think that he's going to be more of a streamer. You know, like last year, anyone that played Arizona, you know, I think that that's a perfect put Sternberger in there, you know. But I'm not saying he's going to be a reliable piece, but he could definitely surprise. And I do have him for over 60 targets. So um, I do think he's going to be involved, but don't, please, do not trust him as like their tight end one. I'm not saying that at all. So <laughs> it's always good, good to, but I'm not, don't, don't bank on it. <laughs> yeah. That's good to preface because like with, I've had a couple of threads about Dan Arnold, about Logan Thomas, but that's not me saying they're going to be tight end ones, tight end twos. That's saying if you're in a deep tight end premium league, you're in a start two tight end, pick those guys up mm -hmm. you may get lucky. And if they so. don't hit, you got them off the waiver wire. So who cares? Right. And so, I put him in the same, you know, I put maybe Josh Oliver, Cahill Waring, you know, people like that too. just, you know, take a chance on him. I, I actually have Sternberger over those two, but that's the thing, you know, he's not going to be super reliable, but he could surprise and um, just keep an eye on him for sure. Yeah. And Sternberger was a third round pick in 2019. So it was, and he was drafted by Matt LaFleur. So he, he is a LaFleur guy. He wasn't there from the past regime. He's someone that Matt LaFleur did take. So it's someone that LaFleur wants to get involved. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, thanks for coming on today, Mike. And everybody yeah. should check out the article series on uh, – it's ballblastum.com, right? Am I getting it's, that right? Ballblastfootball.com. Um, and you can find me at Fantasy Mike um, BBF for Ball Blast Football. And tomorrow, just to plug, I actually have the final installment of the series coming out where we're going to be looking at my beloved New England Patriots. Um, I promise you I took a completely objective approach um and and looked at the numbers and um and yeah that comes out tomorrow on ball blast football so awesome so everybody make sure to check out mike on twitter give him a follow at fantasy mike bbf and i think i said that wrong at the start of the show and i said bff so right. i don't know maybe we're just best friends forever uh, maybe that's what happened <laughs> that's it jake that's, that's exactly what it is <laughs> awesome so yeah make sure to check out mike stuff give him a follow on twitter check him out at ballblastfootball.com also everybody make sure to subscribe rate and review to the snake of the draft podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and i just want to thank everybody for tuning in and let's be snakes this draft season thanks jake thanks everybody